0: In this podcast episode, um, Kylie, Jenna, and Bailey discussed how mental health and emotions have played into the murder and gothic mystery mediums of the past, mostly books we have read in our English class, but also how we can look back into the past or our history and see how times have improved for how we've treated people, but also still find ways that things need fixing. One main thing I guess I've always loved is reading books and pretending I'm one of the characters. I have a very good skill of being able to visualize myself in that character space In their life or their person, character, whatever. It's just nice to be able to sit and like look back at how things we've read from like the 1850s are still like important and relative to the now, which is 2020. Um, It's very neat to see how works of the past can continue on and be important, even in today's world when so much has changed and so much has progressed. And please enjoy our episode. (laughs) Such a long intro. (laughs) I don't know. You can cut stuff out of it. No, it's good. (laughs) Okay. So... I wanted to talk about Frankenstein, the book we read, the one from like the 1800s. The ending of the semester. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And something I really related to was Frankenstein himself. Right. About how he was always trying to like please his like creator or master. And I personally am like a huge people pleaser. That's all I try to do is, like, years of perfection. Right. Like, Perfect Pestle was secretly, like, the family motto and nickname growing up. We are like, well-known in the community and, like, one of those families that everyone, like, keeps track of. And that it carried into college with me partially and just even at home trying to be, like, the perfect kid – trying to please my parents. And so when Frankenstein was like trying his hardest. And you could tell he'd be upset when he did something wrong. It just felt like as reading it. I was like oh this has been me for like forever years. Whatever it's been. Being like I'm trying my best and it's not working. And I just want my parents or like the creator of me. To be like, hey, we see you're doing your best. And yeah, we were upset with you, but we understand and we still love you. And want to see you keep trying in life because we're proud of you and the things you have accomplished. Yeah. And you want to be
1: accepted for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Frankenstein usually, he just was doing everything like the best he could, but he never really got anything positive.
1: Yeah. And it was really sad because... You would expect that your creator would be the one thing in the world that would like accept you. Yeah. Because going back to like your kind of example with relating to like your life, I'm also kind of in the same boat because I have an older sister. And so I was always feeling like some weird sense of like competition. It's like not like unhealthy, like competition, but it was like comparison was definitely there with my parents were like, they would compare us and I didn't like that. And I just really wanted to please them, you know? Yeah. And so I understand wanting to be kind of accepted in that regard. Like you want to go to your parents for acceptance and
2: you know, not be compared, I guess. Yeah, I get that, but kind of like on the opposite side, like being the older sibling, I'm like expected to be like perfect or something and always set an example for my younger brother. That oh. suck. <laughs> yeah. I always yeah. feel bad
1: for the for the older siblings, honestly.
2: Like, it's not really much of a big deal anymore, because he's, like, almost a senior in high school, so he's not like he's really looking to me for advice anymore, but when we were younger, it was, like, crazy.
0: Yeah, I'm just, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's because, like, it's been, like, a spring semester, and winter, like, won't leave us, even though it's, like, mid-April, Um, that, like, it's a lot easier to get into, like, your thoughts. In like the winter for Nebraska, at least, because like you're like stuck inside and you don't want to go out and about, and you're like, okay, I'll yeah. Just curl well, up especially with, with
1: like, uh, like the thing going on right now, yeah, the whole the virus, fun, fun, fun coronavirus.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> not fun.
1: I hope you <laughs> are okay.
0: I was thinking, like Bailey, did you? kind of get into i'm trying to think the correct words like the mood of orient express where half of it was just judging people on their looks like you know strange thing that's like you can't judge a book by its cover but like we all do that oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, definitely oh i was just gonna ask bailey like what part or she remembers like a certain part stuck out in her mind with the judgment
2: there was definitely that section where it was like drag a mirror off like she couldn't have done it because she was like old or whatever and then there was also that part where they're like oh but what if it wasn't it would it could only be like a an italian was it like an italian yeah, yeah like an italian crime because it was passionate and they're like oh <laughs> uh, an english crime cl- crime or whatever would be really thought out and it wouldn't be like so in the moment but I-
0: I felt like when we were reading that it was just like me laughing and I was like wow people can be kind of dumb but <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like you judge people and you're like oh yes this so makes sense because mm-hmm. like they were in the situation but as readers we came along and we're like uh excuse me that isn't even realistic
1: yeah, it was crazy, because the whole time I read that, I was just, like, expecting it to be one person, and then, spoilers, <laughs> spoiler alert, uh, it was, like, all of them. Interesting twist, in my opinion, because also, like, yeah, you can judge them off their appearance,
2: but everyone had a part to play in that crime. That was definitely an interesting plot, just, like, it was nothing, like, I could ever expect, and it's definitely something that's, like, hard to pull off.
1: So, props to Miss Agatha Christie, I knew nothing about that woman before I started this class (laughs) and now i know more about her work i guess we could get back on the mental health side of things was there anybody in orient express since that's the one we read that you think either promoted mental health or a mental issue i oh go ahead i don't know i just kind of want to play it you know like into our main topic of discussion i guess
0: i cannot remember his name but like the character johnny depp played in the movie um uh I looked it up it is ratchet why am I blanking okay ratchet ratchet. guys I remember reading so well yeah Yeah. I don't know like at first like you know looking back at it it makes you think differently but just even like in the movie I wanted to watch just because it was easier for me to follow along visually It's like, you think he's just this innocent man and you're like, oh no, like, yeah, he's got a sketchy past, but like, maybe he's trying to um, like, improve himself now. And like, you know, he's employed someone to help him. Like, it may not be like the best way for him to make business and live life, but like, he still had emotion and was like, I need help. Like could you help guard me? Like, I'm afraid someone's gonna murder me. And like, Paranora, (laughs) Paranoia? Paranoia? Yeah, there you go. Uh, But like, I was paranoid. Like, I know we all have like, paranoid moments. So I think that was a great way for a lot of people to relate. And also like, I don't think many people are happy being like, oh, yeah, he's going to get killed soon. They're like, oh, my gosh, like, I like feel for this character because he's like out of place. And he just
1: asked him for a bodyguard. Like, yeah, was it really a bodyguard? It was it was a bodyguard, wasn't it?
0: Basically, like, yeah. Hercule Poirot. I still laugh at that name. But um, basically, yeah, he was just like, hey, like, I'm reaching out. I need some help. And people, other people on the train were like, oh, no, he seems like terrible and like full of judgment, you know? Right. I mean, but keep in mind, they knew that he had committed a crime in the past. Yeah. But if you like never read the book and you watch that movie, you'd be like, what the heck? Like, we need to be nicer as like people. Yeah, you got to be
1: kind to Johnny Depp. (laughs) <laughs> friggin', friggin pirate whatever his name is jack sparrow oh my god
0: i guess like, more of a question for like you two and anyone else who listens do you feel like um the orient express book is still going to like continue to be relevant in like the future like how groups of people turn against one another so quickly i
1: is this a question for both of us or
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: Okay. Um,
0: No, you're fine.
1: I don't know. I think, well, I don't know what text before Christy, like, would do for that kind of plot device. Like, you know, the whole, like, you know, big plot twist. Everyone's involved. So I feel like there's some sense of relevancy just because it's an interesting take due to the fact that everyone is involved, like everyone has some small part to play in this big grand scheme of things. And I think that's what can keep it relevant just because of that pretty consistent, or not consistent, but I guess that theme that happened towards the end. That's my that's my opinion, but.
0: <laughs> I feel like the younger generation we're in, like Gen Z, is a lot more willing to talk about mental health and like where that shows up in life and how we deal with it. But do you think it's easier for us to see that because of, like, in this genre, like, gothic and murder situations? Or do you Mm -hmm. think, like, we're going to easily find that in fiction or, like... Uh, like Like the theme of mental health? Yeah. Do you think it's easier to find it in this theme or, like... Oh gosh, like I think I books. think it's
1: pretty Something. easily found in like gothic literature just because, you know, it's about a sense of mystery and like the supernatural. And like a lot of characters within I I I mean, I think in gothic lit are very like thought-provoking and, you know, have some, you know, issues that they got to work out and I think that can pertain to mental health. So I think yeah, I think gothic literature definitely can. Uh, I don't know, in terms of, in comparison to, like, other uh, genres. But I think I think it's still relevant.
2: Yeah, there's definitely, like, that sense of dread around focusing around, like, anxiety and depression right. in gothic literature. That idea of dread and, like, suspense definitely plays into it. Which, right. pl- which plays up anxiety in a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like, not knowing what's going to happen.
1: And I mean, like, to bring it also back to Frankenstein with uh, Victor, like, after he... I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, after he creates the monster and the monster, like, or he, he like, covers the monster, right? Or, like, runs away. Oh, he runs away. Yeah,
0: he runs away.
1: Like, and he just experiences this massive amount of, like, you know, like, anxiety. The monster, like, kills, I think, was a child or something. Victor, in essence, is to blame for that because he didn't properly take care of this thing he created. And, like, that really feeds on his mind. And so I think that can also play into, like, you know, the mental health of, like, Victor. And that's just one character within the whole scope of gothic lit that has mental uh, health issues. I think Haunting of Hill House also had a lot of mental health issues within it, if anyone else would like to elaborate. I think uh, Eleanor was a very big one.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, like, forgetting names right now because it's the perfect time to do that. But the author, Shirley Jackson... I went and just like Googled more about her. I think it was easy to see after I knew the information, but Shirley didn't have like a great relationship with her mother. It was really cold and like just not something you'd want every kid to go through, I guess. Like, I don't know the whole circumstances, like no one probably does, but her mother didn't really seem to show much love for her and was yeah. told. And then I feel like some of the characters had that going too with them. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't feel like their family was loving them much and just felt like they were usually getting judged a lot. Right. They always say like writers write from the heart. So like a lot of the times you can find similarities from this book and like that author's life or that one bad thing that happened. I know we talked about that in the beginning of the semester how that shapes them into what they're writing about.
1: Yeah. yeah. And that's a very uh, like valid point obviously and I think for me that was very prevalent with at least with in the case of Shirley Jackson with her writing in terms of like I mentioned Eleanor from Haunting of Hill House mm-hmm. and how I think you said, like, she had a lack of a loving relationship, like, with her family. And I think that also played into, I think, Eleanor's character and, like, how throughout the novel she becomes very, very obsessed with, like, Luke and Theodora's relationship and, like, you know, all this jazz. And, you know, like, her whole, like, mental state is, like, essentially, like, deteriorating throughout this whole novel. And I don't know if that's, like, an inflection as to maybe Shirley Jackson's mental state like I don't know if that's like a symbol or I don't know but I think it's uh interesting to think about it is crazy how authors can really put a piece of themselves into their characters and I think you know this is also just you
2: know one example of it so yeah Yeah. (laughs) I think that negative family relationship is almost a constant in gothic literature like there's usually at least one character who's had a bad past with their family and I don't know if that's a constant with the authors or just like a trope at this point
1: yeah and but... it's almost like they don't know how to like handle it like like yeah. it drives them to a point of like insanity almost and I think yeah. and normally that's a very big part of like the novel or the media that you're like watching or reading is like them and their like internal and mental struggle coming to terms with whatever happened
0: uh, yeah. with a
1: hint of supernatural elements
0: I think that works a lot more. Like I know my parents are like baby boomer generation. They're on the end of it. And nice. it's, yeah, they're, they're old. <laughs> mine too,
1: mine too. Uh, yeah.
0: um, and <laughs> also like being raised and like saying they're of this descent and that um, I call it the shove it under the rug method where Mm -hmm. they don't want to, like, necessarily admit they have emotions. Like, if they're happy and, like, joking around, like, those are okay to show. But, like, if you're angry or you're upset, it's, like, they don't – they pretend it's not there. And I feel like with the authors of a lot of, like, the gothic and mystery, especially, Mm -hmm. like, the earlier works we talked about, they just didn't know – what to do with it and so I'm wondering if that's how at least the authors got information out but Mm -hmm. I know there's been some more talk like what really got me wound up in some of the classes and I didn't say much was how they wrote about women being like crazy or needing to go to an asylum because Mm -hmm. they got upset when they lost a child or, you know, something like they're sick and they're like, oh, we'll just go shove her in an in, in asylum and that will take care of it. Like, I think there's progress showing in, like, the books and shows we watch that things are getting handled better, but it's still very, very far behind where it should be.
1: Yeah, and I think the objectification of women is very prevalent almost in these maybe in this genre I don't know if that's actually true but I that's kind of the sense I was almost getting but I think with having more female authors I think women can be written in a much better sense not saying men can't write good women (laughs) characters but you know like back in the like back then you know women were definitely objectified and for example thrown into like asylums for having like something so normal as grief you know like over like losing a child for example. Yeah. So, and I think I mean, also in like the modern scene today, uh, I think mental health is a lot more talked about, which is so helpful, especially in this genre too, because that means it's more of an attainable and more accessible thing to write about. But yeah, I think there were also progress, like there was progress back then too, of, you know, writing about mental health and all the inner workings of the mind. So
0: I guess Bailey, do you think that worked well with shoot the full title, but Mr. Witcher like, do you think oh. there was a lot of? I'd say anti woman, anti feminist stuff in that book.
2: I'd say there were definitely there. Were, it's moments like how, oh, what was her name? <laughs> the.
1: <laughs> it's been a long, long time.
2: The eventual killer, like you find out her motives, and you kind of go down the slope where you're like, okay, am I supposed to forgive her for doing? this awful thing because she had a terrible past? Is that supposed to excuse it or not?
1: Oh, it's like yeah. a, it's kind of a like a, a gray morality thing where yeah. it's like obviously something happened to her in the past which led her to do such a terrible thing. That's not excusing the murder itself. No. But it's also kind of like, you know, like can I still feel sympathy for her yeah. because of her past? And like also I'm biased as a woman. I do feel bad to some extent you know yeah uh and that's just a bias that I'm always going to have <laughs> but
0: yeah well, like the first mom of the house got put in an asylum and then the dad's like oh I'll just marry our nanny because she's like 10 years younger and I'm just mm-hmm. like sitting here I'm like that sounds terrible like oh I didn't like my first one I'll just go get a new one like mm, people aren't disposable, sir. But carry on.
1: I watched the movie Little Women yesterday, and Ooh. it was interesting because they talked about yeah, the one with Timothy Chalamet and how for women marriage was an economic thing. And so maybe for the nanny it was it was good because she could marry into a better family than what she currently had. But as for the the husband, I, yeah, questionable <laughs> questionable morals. I don't know maybe maybe the nanny had something to gain from it
0: I guess like that's easy to forget about nowadays because now it's like oh we want women and men to be like treated and paid equally but back Mm -hmm. then like women were much more viewed as objects but a lot of that was also like I mean, just thinking of the U.S., men and women weren't equal. Like, women couldn't open banking accounts. And, like, you can have my daughter for marriage if you give me three cows and two chickens. Like, yeah. Or, it's like,
1: you inherit my whole house. It's, like, ridiculous where they would marry off their their daughter and then give, like, the husband all of the inheritance stuff. When it's, like, shouldn't you give it to, like, the direct yeah. blood relative? You know? Yeah. I- it's questionable but yeah obviously like you know marriage is obviously a, a lot better now and people have you yeah. know freedom of choice.
0: I know uh, that both nice. Oh sorry. Um I know oh, that both good? my grandparents <clears throat> like they were born between like 1900 and like 1930 like very spaced out but both of those marriages were like arranged and on one side I guess my mom's side they were like 12 years apart and they got married. They had like two kids. She was 16 when she got married and she came from like a big family. So it was one less mouth for them to feed. Just like that. And my other grandma was very talented musically and her family didn't like that she was traveling around. And I, I feel like enjoying life, I guess, and her talents. Yeah and they're like uh no we found this man he's 9 years older but you need to settle down and get on the right track of like having a family and i'm like wow like someone said yeah. that to me i might smack them yeah if i was told that i'd be i'd be pissed i'd be like
1: i'm not <laughs> i'm not listening to you but i guess also back then that was not excusing but, it but that was like the societal standard for women was to yeah. marry have kids and do domestic chores but. Which, I mean, I'm glad that's not the norm anymore.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would you know, to be married by now if that was.
1: <laughs> I know. I, I probably would not be in college either, for that for that matter. I, we have come very far in terms of that. But how do we connect that back to the topic of gothic lit, uh, mental health in gothic lit? Or we, I guess okay. now we're on the topic of feminism in
0: gothic lit. Which is... Was- full of emotion um (laughs) (laughs) it's hard you know yeah I mean like I said earlier like when we talked about Orient Express we were reading that and we're viewing it like we're an outsider looking in and I think that's easy to do like looking back at the different stories that have come out where we can see and like get emotional at like poems and books being like wow why did we treat people like that or judge them because of this there's a lot of negative you can find reading it but in turn I feel like we can find positives in it now saying like even if it's from like 30 years ago like the 1990s like that doesn't seem like too far ago but you know it is and We can be like, wow, look at how much progress we've made and how things have improved. And I think Mm -hmm. that's something that like everyone has that issue of thinking negative, like it's easier to be negative than to sit and look and be like, oh, wow, like that was a good thing. Look at us go. And that's Mm -hmm. something we can do now when we look at the classic gothic and murder books. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Uh, Bailey, do you have anything to add?
2: <laughs> no, I think Kylie made a very good point. Um, hot takes from Kylie.
1: <laughs> yeah, hot takes from Kylie.
0: <laughs> I should Thank sign autographs after this.
1: Oh, but... <laughs> and mail them to
0: people because we can't be, we shouldn't be outside of our houses. Oh, shoot. I need more letters than <laughs> and envelopes. Dang. Oh, well, uh... I'll work.
1: I that. think at this point, we can either keep talking about <laughs> <Gothic> <laughs> or we can alternatively end it here, <laughs> yeah, thank you for sitting down with us and listening to us speak about mental health in Gothic literature. We did go off on a lot of tangents, so thank you for sitting through those and I hope you enjoyed listening to us kind of speak also to the relatability of, you know, some of these characters from these books we've read this semester. So yeah, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I don't really know how to end these, so I'm just gonna awkwardly fade the audio out.